Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with both brothers, a rarity these days, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. How are you guys? Doing well. Good. Good. Today we are going to begin the show like we end every show. We are going to throw out the question, what are you listening to, as sort of a catch-off for what have you been reading, listening to, watching, going to the, see at the movies. Um, and Jerry, I understand you went, or you saw a movie last night that you liked. Yeah, as we're coming to the end of the year, been um, trying to catch more movies, and obviously we're getting revved up for our uh, end of the year best 22 and a half albums, but um, I ended up going to see... Uh, Alexander Payne's uh, movie, new movie, The Holdovers, which is um, a tale about a uh, boarding school in 1974, is it? 1970? 1970. 1970, sorry. Yeah, that's right, because it ends in 1971. And um, so it's, uh, you know, sort of Vietnam era, but a small New England boarding school and um, boys school. And it's about the holdovers who end up not having a place to go for Christmas, whether they're, uh, in this case, parents are in a different country or... Uh, too rich to be bothered with them or um, you know they're a kid who's underprivileged or whatever so it's it's a it's a like funny Paul Giamatti um, uh, the woman is is it Rudolph Joy is that the the actress Divine, Divine Joy Brown Divine I Joy think. yeah and she's um, great and then newcomer Dominic uh, Sessa who's kind of the main main um, teenage actor and, and yeah you know a couple things struck me like one it, it's a you know Obviously, being in New England, it's kind of a subject matter, and, and actually having a daughter in boarding school that I know about. But um, but it was like it reminded me of a good short story, and I think a lot of the best films these days are doing that, where it's like they're scaled down, kind of micro, just these little cut, like little worlds that you kind of enter into. Um, and this one, you know, for a lot of different points, you know, obviously tackling privilege and um, some of the you know racial stuff of the the early 70s late 60s um and then you know just boarding school in general being kind of a weird place to be um mm-hmm. it uh it, it really kind of just did a great job of kind of you know uh hitting all the right notes um it was funny it was it was i thought kind of touching um it also kind of had a great it tapped into just that angst of being that age and you know how kind of misunderstood you are and kind of what you need when you're an angry young man we'll say um you know and uh, it's a, uh, I think it's a really clever, good story. I, th- I thought it was great. Kind of a nice little Christmas movie too, because it's obviously around uh, Christmas. So yeah, I know it's when like you a saw three-hander. it, what you thought? Yeah, um, it's really. I mean, it's very, very like you said, very small. It's uh, you know, it's essentially three people. You know, yeah, it's like a three-act give or take. Almost. Yeah, that's like a three-hander. But um, you know, it was fun for numerous reasons. One is. I think uh, they got the boarding school piece right. Uh, there's very few movies I find that do. Um, and uh, Paul Giamatti, um, who went to Choate with a number of friends of mine, uh, obviously knows his way around a, a, a campus. His father was the uh, president of Yale as well. Um, but uh, Alexander Payne, I always find, you know, sort of is really good at teetering on the verge of of um a cliche and completely avoiding it 
and I think that is the the sort of mastery at work here. Um, yes, I think this is the especially in twenty twenty three. You know where yeah. everything is so amplified, and you can easily yeah, just be like so nose, rich yeah. kids, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah, but it's it's more about it, the person, people. It's like which is nice. The, the morning show version of uh, yeah, exactly. Correct. Morning school life. I can't believe you stuck that out. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to probe that. Uh, <laughs> coming up but um yeah I, I mean just suffice it to say i loved it and um i think it's you know it got all of the it got all the art direction and you know costuming that was kind of right on for the you know um right on for that um era and the situation also fun for me because um it's shot in a lot of places that i'm very familiar with a lot of it's shot in Deerfield. Um, I think uh, um, a couple of Greenfield, a couple of the Western Mass towns that I've spent a fair amount of time in. So um, you know, and then it, and then the you know sort of third act is mostly in Boston, where Jared and I both are very familiar with the territory. So it was cool. Looks like yeah. looks like they shot at uh, Deerfield, Fairhaven, Groton. Uh, Northfield, Mount Hermon, like Southboro. So I don't yeah, know half of those marks. places. But you, you <laughs> yeah, will. They assume. all look somewhat alike. <laughs> yeah. Inner, yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll yeah, get exactly. the gist. Yeah. I mean, even if they, you know, Frankenstein at the campus together, the, um, you know, the town shots are like uh, uh, Shelburne Falls and and uh, Greenfield and places like that. So um, anyway, enough of uh, the holdovers, which Jared and I both highly recommend Christian go and watch. And uh, Christian, what have you what's, been, what are you listening to? Yeah, well, to? I wanted to ask first, so what's the what's the mood of the movie? Is it comedy or drama or kind of a little bit of both? Or it's one of those ones that's like spilled. Stop as, asking questions and just enjoy it. No, it's like built <laughs> as a comedy, but then, you know, it's like any good kind of comedy it's, it's sort of a dark comedy in, in that sense it's like Ten, tenor wise i think it reminds me a little bit of like you can count on me yeah except the, for funnier the i think it's i keep a little more humor I, than that one yeah I although keep if the you go back into sideways which is more like a paul giamatti like extent you know it's they obviously have nothing to do with each other except that we know same director like, and there's humor yeah yeah, yeah he's it's sort of that sort of level of com- of like it's not necessarily it's, the, it's, it's melancholy the comedy. comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It, it's I would say Alexander Payne, and I f- forgive me for the pun, but he's very good at finding the humor in in very specific pain that people go through. Yeah. One, um, yeah, no, I, I would say melancholy comedy is actually how I would describe my boarding school experience. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's perfect. Um, um, yeah. One I thing I was just thinking though on this, and I'm, we won't, I don't need to dwell on this. Jump over to Christian, um, but just a thought in terms of movies in general. Like, I feel like there was a time, probably not that long ago, where an Alexander Payne movie would have been um, just uh, uh, talked about a lot, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because he's kind of, yeah, but I think just COVID? the. Well, COVID, but I think just the that genre of movie is so specific now, and, and it's like a shrinking thing. Like it's just not as but, well, it's not as big. We're talking about TV shows coming up, you know. It, I know, so I think that's taking again. Lot. You know, another un, another uh, unintentional pun, but his last movie was uh, Downsizing, which was kind of critically and oh, that's right. Um, yeah, you know, it was critically and commercially a flop the one before that was nebraska which was critically loved and not really l- embraced by a lot of people 
Um, so it's been, you know, 10 plus years since he's had. Yeah, I guess uh, I think Sideways yeah. and I think those, you know, Descendants. Well, the Descendants was yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah Sideways was like 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, the Descendants was 2011, and I love that movie. And um, yeah, I love but all Sideways and Beam was like. Uh, so he had Election first, which right? is great. And no, Citizen Ruth was first, which oh, yeah. I love. That's one of my. That's okay. an absolute must revisit. Um, I think Laura Dern gives one of the great performances, and it's just a really funny movie about a tug of war between abortion activists and. Um, pro-choice activists um, because a woman who is a gas huffer uh, it gets gets uh, sentenced to either go to jail or terminate her pregnancy and she becomes like this you know political football for both sides and she's really thoroughly stupid it's really <laughs> a funny movie <laughs> I, I wonder how, that, how well it's aged <laughs> it's, I saw it recently I love it I think it's I mean, yeah. and I think her performance is like uh, one of the best ever. And then one of uh, one of one of our dad's favorite movies was a Bad Schmidt. Um, I love that too. That is a great. Or, movie, I guess Election. Yeah. Election was next, right? Election um, was the but, second, I think. Yeah, there's like I mean, there was a string of really good, uh, really good movies in like the second half of the '90s, first half of the 2000s, and then I would say like The Descendants, which I only saw for the first time last year, was awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. Um, a very different movie than I was expecting it to be. This I, is I, I kind of a mix like between a sneaky, those, yeah. sneaky George Clooney favorite, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, well, I, you know, I I think just like thinking about some of the other movies that came out this year, I guess like the big kind of picture from as I was thinking about it was like. This is truly the first year that movies have been back in um, in theaters, and like you know, it's the first time that we've all had something to talk about. And you know that like um, obviously, it's been said enough times that I don't feel the need to um, re uh, revisit like Barbenheimer, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think sort yeah. of bliss or euphoria. But um, you know, that was I think a huge box office weekend and like just unlike anything we've seen in five years or six years or whatever. Um, and even more interesting was the fact that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't actually a, a Marvel or DC like combination punch. It was two completely different movies from like fundamentally new. Yeah, exactly. It was two original stories. Um, and you know, it's funny that uh, they like renowned directors um, who you know were were had huge budgets, and mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's it's kind of awesome. I, similarly, like Killers of the Flower Moon, which um, obviously was was more recent, uh, a couple of um, I guess came out what in September, or October. Yeah, I just saw um, that as well. Was 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 awesome. Um, I I think we but can, that was we a huge flop. Just to be frank, like. Flowers is, is great, but in Barbie and Oppenheimer Arms were huge successes. But Flowers, box office wise, has been a huge flop. Like, really? Yeah, big time. What was, uh, I mean, that's interesting. I guess I, I'm not super surprised, to be honest. It's a three and a half hour movie um, uh, that's very, very slowly paced. Yeah. And genocide? <laughs> Yeah, about um, you know the greatest crime ever committed by a society um, against another uh, in in the United States, probably. Um, I mean, it's like it's it's pretty 
dark. I mean, it'll win um, every award, and it, it, it is. I liked it a lot, actually. I, I you think? Too. I mean, I think it'll win a bunch. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good. It's it's really good. But um, but I. That's it, funny. I I heard the only reason I I paused there is because I I was recently listening to I think The Watch or something and. The exact opposite sentiment was was like oh, really? their take, which was, it's not going to win a damn thing huh. because despite being an incredible masterpiece, it's, um, it's just too sad. Like yeah. it's too sad and too guilt ridden and like that's true. I actually didn't think about the it that people way. who watch this stuff. Yeah, considering that we've had what we've had. But, I mean, actually, sorry to go on to flowers, Ben, because I know when you haven't seen it, but um, Christian, do you think it's a masterpiece? Like, I'm just curious, like. I, I just mean, saw it Friday. Yeah, so I, I really liked it. But yeah, it it sunk in. I mean, yeah, I think I think so. Um, I think it's it's like it's so intricate, and the performances are just incredible. I it doesn't have the same um, it doesn't have the same cadence as like some of. Scorsese's earlier movies um, and some of the greatest movies of all time, which I think are more traditional, like plotted storytelling. I mean, this is deliberately like telling slow you yeah. and intended to marinate on like the sort of sickness of like you know the the characters and the decisions and the like repeated uh, crimes that are being committed on like an individual and a, a sort of wider social level and I think it's like it's it's really intentional in that way um, but it's like I mean it's visually unreal it's so good um, yeah and and it's a lot I was, I was like more impressed than I was thinking like this is I'm watching a massive piece but it, I mean it was a three-hour movie and I would say I probably want to see it again which is you know so it tells you something like because I just there was a lot going on and I read the book and I really enjoyed the book and it definitely keeps there's chunks of the book that do not get captured here, but um, here, here's another way of asking the question: Is there anything that Martin Scorsese could do at the stage in his life that wouldn't be a masterpiece? Yeah, I mean, he's had some movies that are like meh, you know, like over time. But I mean, and sometimes he's taken on things like this. I think and gotten over his skis a little bit, overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. and I, there's a couple like, things that did bug me in this. I mean, it wasn't, but that's being nitpicky. I mean, in general, like it's a tough task, and I think he did a good job. Like really good. Um, I mean, it's, I don't, I guess I'm thinking like the Wolf of Wall Street, the Irishman, which. I think I both of those I, were a bit over, like, I know people love Wolf. I, I found it like just a little too much at times. Like. I, I've come to like it a lot more than I did And I, I maybe should rewatch it. I mean, Casino's like that with me too, though. Like I didn't love it and I've come to like it more, um, even though I don't think it's nearly as good as Goodfellas or something, but like. I think this is more in that realm, but this is this to me was better right away than the Irishman or, or Wolf. It's definitely like, and I think the cinematography hmm. is is big. Like it's it's a beautiful looking movie. I mean, dark, dark, dark fucking movie, but but they do a fucking great well, job. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's really interesting to think about like what he like. He has he has the the distinct luxury of, of being in a position where like he doesn't have to listen to anybody or do anything no. at this point. Nor yeah. does he have I to mean, get an editor. And that's um, why. And he hasn't had to in twenty years, yeah. <laughs> thirty years. Like so, it's interesting. 
I mean, yeah, sure, the movies get longer and, you know, they get less cut down and that's just a function of, I mean, this is like the ultimate example of this from my childhood is like the Harry Potter syndrome. It's like, you know, you start out with like a punchy 220 page book and the thing is 750 pages by the seventh version of it Um, because it's just nobody's like people, they know people are going to eat this up. but I think also it's it's kind of interesting to think about like what the constant themes in his guilt movies are. <laughs> yeah, well, so it's like, are people good or bad? <laughs> like that seems like the sort of core question that he's asking in all of these, right? And I, I don't think he thinks they're that good. Yeah, no, I would yeah. say bad is winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say they're more bad than more, than good. Um, but did, when you saw it, sorry, when when you saw it, was there the weird Leonardo Scorsese interview? Wait, why don't you just go see it now? Yeah. And we'll still be talking about it in yeah. three and a half hours. I just have a quick question, though. Um, was the interview thing in the beginning? Like, yes. Yeah, that annoyed the shit out of me. But, was that what, really? Yeah. But anyways, when you should see it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a spoiler, but it's like, it's just, yeah. It didn't annoy the shit out of me. I mean, it was fine. Like, I forgot about it by the end, but I was just like, why do I have to watch an interview? But that should come at the end of the movie and if I want to watch it I can well it was like 30 seconds right I don't know it felt longer but maybe that was just me maybe because I'd sat through Marvel previews prior that were making me angry so yeah yeah that's yeah I just wanted to interject that um, I saw another movie on Friday night um, that I'm not sure either one of you have watched yet but it it was May December yes I've not seen it and it's I loved it and it's definitely um Totally not going to please everybody, and it's definitely you know got like um, you know like sideways. Um, you know, it's got these, it's got weird tonal shifts that that have you questioning, you know, exactly whether this is a comedy or a drama or or both. Or, but it's um, you know, I don't know if you guys know much about it, but it's basically loosely based on the Mary Kay Letourneau. Um, case from back in the, I think that was the 90s, where, you know, this teacher had an affair with a seventh grader, and uh, she wound up pregnant, having a child in prison, getting out of prison, then marrying the kid, and having more kids, and they stayed married until she died. Um, So that's sort of the the premise obviously some of the de- some of the details are different and it's not based you know it's not um a retelling of that story but it's it certainly borrows a lot from it um but the, the this in this too. in this movie an actress comes to study her for a role and i think um i think it's actually got as much to say Wait, so about just to just sorry so it's an so this is like the actress comes to study the real the sort of correct not really real life character okay Okay. so it's so it's like from behind the camera is kind of the perspective that you've got on it yeah well not you know i mean the the actress if they're not making a movie yet she's come to study but i think it is much a commentary on hollywood and and actors as it is on you know any of the tabloidy stuff it was uh I think it's. I think it really nails the um, like Hollywood people come to meet real people. Correct. Except weird real people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really. I mean, that it made me really happy. 
Um, it's <laughs> would you really... say he's somebody who can get away with that too? That was a director. I would think so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, like you're saying, Scorsese guy... like can do what he wants. This guy can definitely, but he can have a certain Tut- commentary that other people can't have even. Yeah, Todd Haynes has established himself as as a you know sort of masterful filmmaker, but he's also um, you know pretty subversive for a mainstream yeah. filmmaker. And um, so, how mainstream you know, would you say he is? Aside from I mean, uh, like, I mean, well, he means, sorry, I should say he's, he's mainstream, but he's mainstream in a way that, like, the Indianization of, of film yeah, made definitely. him, or allowed I mean, he's mainstream happen. in the same way that Wes Anderson is mainstream, you know? Right. He's, I guess he's a household name, or, you know, at least for film buffs, um, a household name, and, um, you know, he gets stuff made, that's, uh... He gets stuff made, he gets stuff in the award shows, I mean, it's, you know, he's like yeah. one of those people, like, you're... It's he's yeah. one of those people the, you know NPR Critics crowd have. or whatever or even like the older crowd would be like oh I've heard that's good you know what I mean it's like the red yeah. out <laughs> he's like Linklater yeah or, yeah I mean is the I read about that in the New Yorker yeah. um uh, but anyway <laughs> I I I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it when you see it so well, it's on Netflix right you can just it is on Netflix yeah. and I I would if anybody's listening I will highly recommend it and um and uh. Did, was his last movie the Velvet Underground doc? Yes. Is that him? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's right. That was and awesome. Carol, yeah, we, was it Carol was the one before that? Or? Carol, yeah. Far From Heaven, yeah. Far um, from really good. Velvet Goldmine. Um, not very good. Uh, I liked it, but it's not very good. Yeah. Um, and then what else? He, I mean, he did. He started. He came out of the box with, uh, you know, Superstar, which is the Karen Carpenter story um, acted out with Barbie dolls. I don't think I've ever seen that. I had a we had a video a VHS tape of it, or my you know my friend Evie did it at Hampshire and um, it was so you've uh, seen it six hundred times <laughs> yeah and that and heavy metal parking lot we had on VHS oh, that was tape him? <laughs> oh, no, no okay. it was, that was still great just <laughs> <laughs> have to say what our videotape collection was yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, so all right so I, I want to talk about um, there are three movies I still want to talk about partly Oppenheimer. Uh, Barbie, and then and then I've got one other that I think kind of got glazed over earlier this year. Um, but you want to take a break and come back and sure, uh, sounds good. All right. Sure, we'll play. Uh, yeah, Damien, play uh, "People Ain't, Ain't No Good" by Nick Cave.
Welcome back to Brother, Brother, Brother. Uh, today we are talking about our favorite movies and TV shows of the year. And guys, I know we've been talking about some uh, some pretty heavy hitters um, with Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, the um, the summer magic of Oppenheimer and the Barbie movie um, that, that really excited people and got them back into theaters. But one movie that I think kind of got overlooked earlier in the year, um, which is... I think going to be a real, like it's going to have a lot of staying power with me, um, was Air, by uh, which I, was produced by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, directed by Ben Affleck. They both star in it. It's got Jason Bateman, Chris Tucker, and it's the Michael Jordan story of uh, his contract with, uh, with Nike. Um, I thought it was just an awesome, awesome movie. Um, really, like, uh, really one of those, like, um, sort of, stories that you can come back to over and over again it's just it's like great sort of you know characters who are based on historical figures um with sort of quirky port personalities um and just sort of like tight punchy good storytelling um mm -hmm. what do you guys think i think it is like the quintessential solid three and a half out of four star movie that uh, i think like all of his movies like the town and gone baby gone somehow Argo. like they, they stick with you, like you remember them basically, and then you go back every three years and watch them and go, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, um, I really like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember when I, I saw it multiple times the weekend that came out because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to watch it. I watched it and then I wanted to make other people watch it because I was like, hey, this is really good and fun, you know? Like um, just trying to drum up excitement. It's also universal, it yeah. universally likable. It's like, um, you know, it's one of those. Obviously, like Air Jordans are came out when I was the perfect age for Air Jordans to come out. So there's that side of it. Michael Jordan, we all enjoyed, you know. Um, so there's that side of it. And then I think being, you know, a little older and, and having worked and things like that, you kind of enjoy the actual business story side of it or the contract side of it too. And and. I know yeah. that sounds boring, but like it's a, they, no, they do a really a bunch... tight job. And, uh, but it's something that, like, you know, my I've, my daughters are 13 and 15. They could watch it and liked it, you know. Um, yeah. We enjoyed it. It's I think people in their pleasure. 20s. Yeah, and it was, like we were talking about the holdovers earlier, it's also very tight, and I I just have such an appreciation. And, and Flowers, you know, being three hours, but it was amazing, but but three hours long. It, we, I know all three of us love, like, you know, Hell or High Water, like those types of like just movies that are compact and solid are so appreciated to me. It's in, it mm -hmm. just nails that for sure. Yeah. Well, a, a couple of comments on it. I think one, so I should also say like one of my favorite characters in this was Violet Davis who played Michael Jordan's mom, who was like, <laughs> you realize was sort of the basis of, uh, or I think the, the architect maybe of, uh, of, of his contract. Um, and it sort of plays on the relationship between her and, and Matt Damon, who's Sonny uh, Vaccaro, Vaccaro, who's the, the like, who, who is at a point where he needs a, he needs a win in his mm -hmm. career, which is just a great setup for any movie, right? Like, he's, uh, he's working at, at Nike and, you know, basically goes all in on, on getting this, this one guy um, breaking the shoe rule, which, you know, says that everybody's got to wear... Um, white shoes or, or whatever it may be and like you know sort of building up the uh, 
you, you can see the earliest stages of this legend being constructed. And it's like, you know the rest of the story. So it's fun to see like the first chapter or even the, the prologue to um, the, the, the book itself, right? And like you watched the book play out over the course of Michael Jordan's career, but you know, not everybody knows that this is, this is how it started, um, yeah, which is kind of ne- cool. My nephew's a real sneakerhead, and he like, um, you know, he'll he now identifies, you know, players by their shoes as opposed, you know, I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He now, like, he develops fandom based on, yeah, shoes, you know, the stuff came out or the, yeah. you know, the new signature Tatum's coming out or um, the you know the Jaw Morant is coming out and like. I remember, you know, I'm old enough to remember, like, going back to where, it, like, I'm not even sure if players had, I mean, players did have signature um, licensing deals, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did, but almost every other player just wore what they wore, I think. Um, yeah, you had, like, the Converse, like, used to. Magic and Yeah, and like Bird. Dr. J. But, but they weren't you know, styles, was so, yeah. This was such a revolution, and it was, you know, this was a period when, like, people didn't wear sneakers casually. People certainly didn't wear basketball shoes casually. And well, part of, the, so, part of the revolution was the fact that it was able, I mean, that they, they took the risk of saying, like, whatever the, the NBA finds us, we're going to pay, yeah. and yeah. we'll pay for them. And, yeah. the NBA, and, like, we're going to change the rules of the game, literally. By, by making this, like, kind of aggressive decision, and it's going to reinvent, like, what it means to commercialize an individual player. Indeed. And, like, it created a brand around a person, which yeah. people weren't doing in sports before. It's, um, it was pretty revolutionary, and it's obviously had lasting power. Um, by the way, I thought about this last week when I saw um, uh, the... I think it's... Is it Colorado? Um, like... I mean, it's Deion Sanders team. Deion Sanders team, like, yeah, Colorado. Every, everybody's, so they're sponsored by Nike, but they're not just sponsored by Nike. They're sponsored by sort of the Air Jordan imprint. So you have a football team and all of the coaches of, you know, 100 people on the sidelines, all of whom have the Air Jordan symbol stamped on their chest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, this trans, like, that is, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> at <No>. all. <laughs> it's a guy dunking a basketball and, like, the fact that that's you know that that's such a, a mainstream and like obvious and you know it's something you wouldn't even well, really this think many about years is, after he even played too I mean it's, it's yeah. crazy it's a yeah that's a win that's a big win, a big win. <laughs> but like, you also quick, quick brother note um, I did have the first version of Air Jordans in third grade and was savagely made fun of by Wyndham and how ugly they were so just throwing that out they there. were ugly <laughs> I still hold to that um, yeah well but, but but you, you don't still have them because you can sell them for two million dollars yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Thank God you uh, shame me into uh, throwing those away. <laughs> <laughs> I was right; they were ugly, and you were and you were visionary. Um, but I, uh, I was gonna say, I think, you know, it's it's funny to to watch this movie knowing, and it, it also came out in this like flurry of product design kind of movies. It was like black. There was a movie about BlackBerry. Do there not was a watch. Movie, by it was the way, all these, so painful. Anyways, go ahead. I, there, there was also song. you're right that there was there was also a bunch of uh, movies about like founders and and sort of like uh, tech CEOs yeah. and that's like 
I can only oh. handle so many of those at a time. I'll be completely honest, and that's just a personal. Like, it's, no, well, it's what you see, me. and I actually saw BlackBerry, and then you know maybe I've started like the Uber one or something too, and and it's just they're not that interesting. Where this was, a, this is actually a really interesting story. And yeah, it's told, a well-made you know? movie, and I think it culminated with Barbie, which is a movie that, about a, a toy that we're all familiar with, but it completely, you know threw away any convention of like you know telling an origin story or whatever it just created its own world and i think i really liked barbie a lot barbie was great um yeah i thought it was really smart i don't christian i'm not sure you were as keen but i actually haven't seen it so you haven't um, nope um and i think yeah i want to i i missed out that weekend that uh that erica went to see it with a bunch of her friends but i was like that's right i was i I was amazed yeah, exactly. And I was I was amazed. It was fun to see how excited everybody was to go to the theater and see a movie. I was like, just that alone was yeah, that was payoff. And like, um, I think it was cool to have that kind of community experience. Um, the the one uh, last comment before we close the um, uh, close the discussion on air was um, so I think this movie like barely broke even. Um, just in, I mean, first of all, like no, no one in that cast is cheap, right? Like it's a, it's a pretty expensive payroll. Um, I think it didn't like kill it at the box office. A lot of high priced veterans. Yeah. And I think, um, I think when you hear Matt Damon and Ben Affleck talk about it though, and of course it was their, you know, they, they produced it. Um, what you've sort of heard them say was like, we don't really give a shit. Um, we like making movies with our friends, and that's kind of what we're gonna do from now on. Um, like, you know, it's we've 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 had all the success like in a conventional way that we need to, and we're kind of at a point in our careers where like it's more fun to work together and more fun to do projects that we care about. And I th- like I so hope that's true because if they keep coming out with one of these every three or four years, like uh, you know um, a, a little sort of pet project that like they think is really cool and they can attract a lot of talent to I, like i'm all in um yeah. i'm good well hunting too yeah exactly <laughs> the rematch um, just just what we needed to reboot <laughs> yeah or he's just it in a room doing fault. math <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but uh but yeah no i'm i'm psyched about that i think it's it's because there's this like generation of of um you know talent that did so well in the 90s and, and 2000s that can kind of like dine out on that at this point like it, it's great if they just kind of retire into making good movies i would love uh, them yeah. and you know so. if nothing else those guys have good taste yeah exactly and they can be counted on for that so that's um yeah i i'm glad you brought that back up because i'm not sure if we discussed it that much yeah. on the pod and I mean, it's really a fun fun ride and it is very uh, watchable so should we come back and do like maybe each pick Kelly. a fav- favorite TV show? Yeah, that'd be sure. Who it now? Who it now?
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We are graduating now from our movies that we enjoyed to some of our favorite TV shows of the past year. And, and since we hadn't, you know, really done a deep dive on, on television, um, we, uh, you know, we have a lot of real estate to catch up on. We have a lot of uh, time to catch up on dating back to, um, you know, stuff like The Bear, second season. Um, the gold and then there's a couple stellar um, newbies that I think are uh, you know not yet completed so we can't give a uh, you know complete recap but um, you know we can urge people to see them and I would include in that um, the new season of Fargo which has been phenomenal and the new documentary about the Charles Stewart case uh, murder in Boston so uh, Jared what are you thinking about um Television-wise, <laughs> both those are, are ones that I just started, and um, I'll let you kind of go off on Fargo because I think we both think it's great. And then um, HBO's Murder in Boston, and, and simultaneously, there's been you know sort of a, a article here in the Boston Globe on the uh, long-running yeah article, series on, a series on the on the case. So it's kind of been entrenched. But I, I think this is a story that you know I was pretty young. I was I think in fifth or sixth grade, but um, but I do remember, and it was a national story and. It's just a really well done doc too. It's one of those docs that kind of goes back through a lot of, um, you know, racial tension in the city and, and um, you know, and, and it, it it's easy to pick on Boston at that time for sure. But it, it you know, you see, sort easy of easy and well deserved. Yeah, definitely. Oh, very well deserved. Yeah, and I think, but I think like it's just something that you look around today still, and you're like, ooh, that's like there's all those tensions are simmering in different ways. Um, you know, obviously kind of interesting for me too living in the city now where you know there's neighborhoods that you just were much different than they are today too there's been a lot of gentrification here obviously and a lot of um you know it's just an expensive place to live and then that's a it's a shame but the, the police brutality and all that it's a it's a well done doc it's really solid and i think that and fargo are kind of my my two new ones i think we did some pods on the bear prior but maybe not um that's a show that you know i just got um like it influenced to watch again due to our, our folks being in town for Thanksgiving and doing a marathon on it and loving it. And I actually went back and watched season one and season two. And, and I think, you know, as we were talking about air and, and some of those other kind of the human aspects of the holdovers or air, things like that, like that's a show that just has a humanity that I, I really, really like. Um, it's just a really well done show. And each character is, is very, uh, just, very well thought defined. out and well defined. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's a, one of my favorite shows for sure. So I won't pontificate on all the shows we just threw out there. So, but when would well, I mean, Fargo's a favorite for you right now? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, draw a um, you know briefly just to uh, harken back to what is ordinarily our our focus. I think both the Bear and uh, the British series The Gold had phenomenal soundtracks. Good point. Um, yep. The Bear largely. Uh, late 90s, early 2000s, sort of, you know, alternative rock. With some randy, like, cheesy, just late 80s songs. Like, yeah, there's like a John Mellencamp song that I just know from, like, MTV back in the day that, like, is not a good song, but somehow is, like, comforting to me. Yeah, even the Taylor Swift, um, you know, Nate Check in there, um, in that one totally works. I mean, it's, it's, it's a well supervised show uh, musically and um the most of the songs that they've used are very pleasing as well um and then the gold it was you know takes place in 1983 in england and in london specifically and 
um, you know, a lot of New Order, OMD, um, all the sort of greatest hits package from that, uh, from back in that time, specials, everything. So, um, you know, two very, very highly um, recommended uh, soundtracks if they're uh, available. Anyway, um, yeah, Fargo, you know, I think it's we're on episode five now or, or looking forward to episode five now. And, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's a funny show because, you know, when we first heard about it, nobody thought it would work. Um, everybody loves the movie Fargo. Um, and so making a TV show about it just sounded like a criminally bad idea. And somehow Noah Hawley... Um, realized that what he was going to use from Fargo the movie was the sensibility and not the characters or the locations, although this particular season has a lot of callbacks to uh, the original um, the original film. Um, this year it's Juno Temple, John Hamm, um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, and, uh, you know, several other supporting... Oh, and... Uh, the kid from Stranger Things, um, Steve, and I just think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Steve. Yeah, I actually don't know his real name. I think it. Um, Everybody knows who you're talking about. I think yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> his last name. But anyway, it's uh, everybody playing very much against type, and I think it's. Um, I don't know. It's it had, Fargo had two excellent seasons season one season two it had a sort of dip in season three to like a b minus e and then season four i've never watched because i had just heard from too many reliable sources that it just was simply not Didn't very work. good yeah um and this season i think is really so far as good as any of the others um it is a real return to form. I think Noah Hawley is, uh, I, I can't comment on whether he had, how much he had to do with three and four, but it seems like he's rested control back. He's written, I think almost all of the all episodes of so far. Yeah. So, um, I don't and know. Directed, what are your th- directed two of the first three. I, yeah. I think it's great. Um, I'm excited to watch the rest of the season. And, you know, I think, uh, honestly, it's enough. John Hamm's second best role as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I, he's a after bridesmaids. <laughs> actually, that was pretty good too. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I and when I mentioned for that, a I watched it last weekend. Um, but I think, uh, I so, you know, I, I think it's it's um, it's really well done. It totally brings back the first two seasons. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I like the kind of horror inflected. Um, uh, dimension to this season as well. I think that's kind of a fun twist, yeah. and curious to see um, how it how they how they sort of like rethread the some you know the slightly supernatural element of like that's come out in this uh, third and fourth episode and um, and and the reality. Um, but it's also fun because it's 2019 in Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, well, and I, I love how they walk the line between Tim reality Burton's, and uh, this is Halloween too, by the way. From uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, I got you, babe, by Tiny Tim. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, so I I wanted to throw out a couple other like there there were, I think these are great recent um, sort of inst- installations this year. I, it's 
the year was weird, right? Because like we had some good stuff early on and then kind of a desert. And then it feels like maybe there's a little bit more coming now. Well, there, there were two strikes in the middle of this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no way of ignoring the fact that for like six months we didn't have real, uh, real television like coming out. I think we'll Um, feel that more down the line. Um, and then, you know, I think a couple of them, you know, pretty major movies got pushed to the 2024 as, as a result as well. Um, Aquaman. But it, yeah, but for the first, <laughs> so for the first half of the year, I just, before we, before we like write off that chapter, I want to say, I really like Daisy Jones and the Six mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. more yeah, than I thought I would. Yeah. <laughs> Another one um, like Air where I was like, you know what, I'm not going to nitpick this one. I'm going to sit back yeah. and let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to the soundtrack on Spotify, which no, someone no. someone clearly wanted me to do. Um, but I, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm not put off enough by the music to not like it. And that's usually my critique of a show that's like writing. Its oh own god, music yeah, especially originals. You're like, Oof. yeah, yeah. Who um, did the music? It was Blake Mills, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is like, I, I, you know, I'll never. Like I could, I could have a my own. I could have just a monologue, like ten episode podcast on my f- thoughts and feelings over the years about the song "Fever Dog" by, um, <laughs> like from Almost Famous, as like a Led Zeppelin imitation. And it's just, it's like you'll never. It draws too much of my attention in typically, but the show is really, really good. And I, you know, it was uh, if you are prepared to suspend a little bit of like. No one's ever made the perfect band show. That's just no. the, that's just a fact. And like, oh, yeah. um, I think this is as good a mainstream effort as you could possibly expect. Um, I frequently put Twenty Four Hour Party People up as the most as the best music related film or mu- music. Yeah, but it's not about a band. Film. You know what I it mean? It is not. And like Spinal Tap is probably the best, but that's well, Spinal Tap is by far the best. But actually, that's a, sorry. <laughs> But otherwise, yeah, well, I mean, no, this, I hear you. This one you definitely have to go. If you go in with high, I think this is a medium to low expectations. You're going to be happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so maybe if you haven't seen it, now is the time uh, over the holidays when you've got um, got a little more room in your viewing schedule. Dig it out. You didn't see it the first time. Um, it's you know, it's worth your time. If you've um, got medium expectations. Exp- <laughs> just wait to get Ex- them expect met. to have them met and slightly exceeded <laughs> yeah um hijack was another <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like you told me that. about that show and i was Enough. like this is insanely fucking stupid i'm not gonna watch this and then i watched it and loved it and watched yeah. it in about two days <laughs> yeah no it's like that was uh i remember i, I met with an, an executive one time uh, i forget where but a, a network executive one time and he calls those uh, things popcorn for dinner. Um, yeah, yeah like, totally. It's like you're full, but you're not nourished. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, it's it's. I just I just love doing what he does. Like he was great at it. And yeah, he's um, a fucking hero. And he should. Yeah. And yeah, you know, no, it's that annoying guy next to him. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was downright silly at times. Um, and it was it was riffing so hard off of so many like late '80s, early '90s action oh, movies. Yeah. So yeah. what? <laughs> it was fun. How many seasons of Twenty Four um, were there? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. And they were all compressed into six episodes of this television show, which was shot 
nominally in one airplane. <laughs> like, I still, I still, my my joke, you know, for the past fifteen years about twenty four has been that I wanted to have one episode with just Kiefer Sutherland reading a magazine on the toilet. <laughs> um, I really liked Love and Death, which was uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Um, and what's that about? Yeah, it is she's great. So it's about um the is it a georgia um like sort of church uh church going family or excuse me uh christians is it about the church going family and a woman who has um an affair affair. with jesse plemons uh and then like chops up her wife with an axe Um, gotcha and this this was also yeah so it's also been the subject of um, and this is the fun uh, listening experience where everybody gets to hear me. Um, go- Candy Montgomery, there we go, um, from Wiley, Texas. And uh, Candy Montgomery was like, is the true story of a uh, sort of housewife um, in the 1970s who, uh, you know, got into this spat and how it, you know, how it, it sort of like the the um confrontation happened is still sort of anybody's guess but um bottom line was that she ends up um killing a uh the pregnant wife of um her uh of the person with whom she's having an affair and yeah and then um uh lily rabe um plays her who i think is uh uh awesome and um then like sort of you know how it goes to trial and um it's just it's i'm a huge elizabeth olsen fan yeah um, she's good. I, I like her in everything she's done really yeah, she's uh good. and and so it's you know this is a david e kelly um okay uh like hbo show so if you i've seen it a bunch and just... i just didn't know the backstory so now I'm, i have something to watch thank you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly if you if you want something that's just like well produced like good doesn't have doesn't like you're you're not going to stumble over anything watching this right like it's not going to bother you it's just uh it's just a good like chopping up your husband few episodes of tv it's funny what's funny is that was it jessica beale who was also in a show called candy that i think was on hulu like a year or two earlier okay (laughs) i actually haven't seen that one but i thought it was kind of a that may be a movie actually but um uh, no i think it was a i think it was a limited series Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that okay. That makes sense. Um, but like, clearly, this is a fascinating, you know, subject, and and um, uh, uh, the sort of the the psychology of this of this lead character who is both uh, sort of the Kevin Spacey esque, like bored center of their own reality from um, from American Beauty. Uh, sorry, but like you know, the bored center of their own reality, like trying to break out of like the routine of, of um, married life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and you know, kind of uh, uh, then also this this sort of pathological like denial um, about uh, about her own you know her her own sort of crimes, which is uh, which is a really interesting kind of you know study, I guess. So um, definitely worth checking out. And then. Yeah. I was last say, of Us was the last one I was going to bring up. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, um, you know, sort of in that category of things that were sort of 
uh, received kind of you know pedestrian reviews, but actually exceeded it. I think the gold fits in that category. I, I you know I didn't see a lot of raves for the gold, and yet I thought it was pretty elevated. I thought it was way better than mediocre. You know, I thought it was a really excellent show. Well, it's like, I mean, I was thinking about it, and I sort of, it's, could you make a show set in the 70s with all of, like, the stylistic points correct about um, monetary policy and economics and a jewel heist or a gold heist, as it were, that, like, I wouldn't like? I don't think you could. It, I mean, it would be, it's like yeah, it hits it, all the right kind of yeah, notes. It ticks all, the for... boxes. it ticks all your boxes. But <laughs> yeah. I, I did think it was an interesting choice because it is about a, uh, just to give people background, it is about a uh, a robbery the and a real one, uh, the biggest one in British history, where this um, group of people went in to steal uh, currency from a customs um, office and accidentally stole $26 million worth of gold and how they have, and then the whole, the show is less than, you know, the show uh, definitely opens with the robbery, but the robbery is almost an afterthought. It's how, how do you, when saddled with $26 million in gold, uh, how do you liquidate it? How do you get rid of it? How do you uh, pass it off? How do you avoid, um, you know, alerting the police and and um and i thought the police you know i thought it was another i thought it was a show that um where the criminals and the cops were both um you're kind of rooting for both in a weird way um yeah i think too it also not so subtly but you know tackles the kind of like that emergence of the 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 class i mean the classes in, in england which is obviously very pronounced but you know it's kind of the beginning of that that shift right it's, you know? it's a it's the very beginning of upward mobility yeah, totally. in england which is you know sadly which they uh, which they tell you early about 80s very, yeah they they do there are which they um, hit you over the fucking head with yeah, in monologue after monologue i know for six I, episodes that was that was the pain that was the painful pain point. Uh, yeah, price right. of admission but i um, love the i love the way the show starts i will I will say that I, I think it got a little... It was They were just trying to do too many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, it and faded a little bit for me as well. If they'd made a high show and stuck to a high show, or, you know, it, that didn't, like, unravel into the politics of... Or like, if they did a TED Talk mobility. on class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Either would be fine. Um, but, uh, but doing both was a little confusing, I, I think, have to say. I think but. part of it is that I, you know, I was willing to forgive a little bit of it because I thought the art, you know, the production, the art direction, and the, and the uh, acting was, it was really good. Yeah, it's um, a place you still want to go spend time. Totally. <laughs> like, and, and I thought it's, I, I agree though, I think it started on fire and then kind of like, I sort of had to make myself, not in a, not in a bad way, but I definitely had to pull myself to watch the rest of it, you know. Yeah. I, I actually, and speaking of, speaking of places it. that I, speaking of places that you want to spend time, The Last of Us. Um, oh, yeah. Is, <laughs> like in our dystopian future where, uh, uh, a, a, um, airborne like, <laughs> brain fungus um <laughs> like uh colonizes your mind and turns you into a, a violent raging spitting zombie um and flash forward 10 years past that 
like inflection point. How good was the first episode of that show, by the way? It's really um, good. I, 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 that too started to feel like homework by the end for me. I um, just, really? yeah, I found it goofy. I, I hated it. I, the first episode was fine and I definitely watched it past that. And then it just, it, it was, I don't know. I, I, I'm like one of the few people I know that I really hate it. I just didn't like it. Huh. Yeah, it's a monster well, movie. Yeah, it's, uh, okay. All right, well. That's good. Some, you know, dissension among you should watch opinion. the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I liked um, it. It's got I, a great. Bottle I don't know those, those walking brain things were just the bottle episode was good, definitely, and uh, I thought it was better than the other ones. But yeah, I, it was just so sci-fi. I don't know. They should have jawsed it a little bit more. They should have kept the yeah, monster out of the picture as the long as fungus they could. head. <laughs> yeah, because it did. There, there was no. It was another one that suffered like all the Marvel movies do for me, where I couldn't quite understand the the physical laws of these things like you can kill them sometimes but you can't kill them other times you know um yeah I think you can't i think you can't get too hung up on that stuff although weirdly i like i tend to tune that out um but i will say that from what i understand this is actually one of the better thought out versions of that in the sense that like it's you know most of these things don't arrive with like uh, a fully thought through and like self-contained universe or backstory or whatever mm-hmm. and like this is one of those examples well, where give them give them a give them a achilles heel you know say if you hit them in the in whatever part of their being uh that they die but you know the, the, the seemed arbitrary um the episode where you know, i had trouble with was like the when the giant one came out of the ground yeah. i was just like what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> i think it was gnarly <laughs> Yeah, you guys still have to see Starship Troopers. I think we were talking about that the other week. Um, but like, if you want a truly uh, uh, a truly great, like stupid, um, like uh, bug Alien monster movie? movie, yeah, no, that's I've the heard. one. Yeah, it's it's kind of awesome. I've seen it like probably thirty times in my life. So um, that's thirty more was, than uh, me. Yeah, no, it was uh, it's a it's a quality. It's a it's a it's a quality franchise. Do you, would um, you say that that's what cemented Denise Richards as a lead leading actress? Yes, as a um, as America's uh, America's favorite um, bug slaying marine sweetheart. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, was, there, was there? Oh, yeah, and then the crown. The crown was the last one we were gonna discuss and i think that has the same trajectory as fargo uh, very a lot of similarities obviously um yep but uh it is well i just can't wait to see what happens yeah well, <laughs> wait till you find out um it, uh, it like where i think it had great that charles fellow gets what's coming to him <laughs> they um you know they had a great first couple of seasons they had a pretty good third season i think four and five were were down and uh, six is a return to form. Um, doesn't hurt that it's all about all, all the stuff that um, I remember. Um, but I do think Elizabeth Debicki is. Most people alive uh, remember him. Yeah, well, some of them are younger than. You know, some people were born after '97. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I think Elizabeth Debicki is as Princess Diana is a phenomenal. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, is she just gives a phenomenal performance and it's weird i i keep looking from a production standpoint from a the way they shoot it uh i know elizabeth debicki is six foot three and so i keep uh you know sort of looking at how they shoot her in front of 
men and how they shoot her uh, proximate to other people. It's kind of from a the fun ceiling. <laughs> game inside the game. Lots of apple boxes. Yeah. 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 Some Tom Cruise lifts. But yeah, I think she's pretty phenomenal. And actually, I think the whole Dodi uh, Muhammad Al Fayyad thing, as much as you know, it was laced with melodrama, was was pretty well handled. I liked yeah. The second half is coming out I think soon, right? And um, uh, Thursday. In the next week or two. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it, so I'm I'm excited. I'm kind of saving it for uh, a Christmas. Uh, yeah, yeah. For you know when I like need something to just cruise through over the holidays. Do so they give I you think, Christmas off? It... Uh, just, just yes. Um, so we can we'll we'll find time to record the uh, the album of the year. Um, but that may be uh, that may be my you may be four under hours your off. you may be under your desk. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> like if I'm if I'm, if I'm whispering and you can hear calculators being uh, tapped in the yeah. background, that's uh, that, that'll be it. Um, but uh, no, I'm I'm psyched for that one. So uh, really look forward to it. And um, this was awesome. I'm Let's I'm do- psyched. There's some good good TV coming in 2024 as well. Um, just to yeah, name name check one or two things. Um, I thought. On HBO alone, like Jody there's, Foster. so I'm really, yeah, exactly. You want to start there? Yeah, True Detective, uh, another one where I think we can all agree it, you know, uh, started off with a bang and then sort of slid pretty significantly downhill. I think is, I think it's gonna have a redemption season this year with Jodie Foster in the lead. Um, who's her co-lead? Anybody? Uh, Don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Mueller. I don't remember. Cause, I mean, they always appear in pair. You know, the true detective yeah. formula is a pair of people. So um, I'll have to double check. Um, but what else is what else are you looking forward to, Christian? So the sympathizer um, oh, yeah. with Robert Downey Jr., which is coming at some point. It's supposed to come out, I think, this year, and it was um, got pushed uh, because of the strike. I think um, you know. That sounds good. I'm a big Colin Farrell fan. Um, like I, I think that guy just adds to pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, he's gonna be the Penguin in a show about the it's Penguin. Like a, um, I think it's a Batman thing, but origin. which is, yeah, yeah. But like it's you know it'll be HBO, so it'll be good. He'll be creepy and you know hopefully great. Um, and uh, regime with with Kate Winslet. Um, and then the la- I guess the next chapter or next season of uh, the industry is coming, um, which is a show that I've encouraged you guys to watch because I think it's pretty. Uh, um, I think it's pretty good. I think yeah, I've watched like, it. It was a little messy, like to start with maybe in the pilot, but like they figured a lot true. of stuff out. It's got a yeah totally. It's it's a really good like I think it's euphoria but better. Um, for, well, yeah, because you, know, you don't feel uh, like you're <laughs> gonna be arrested after you, watching it. You don't feel like you're <laughs> pedophile. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, but no, I think it's a, I think it's a fun one. So, um, Wyndham, you got to catch up on that, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, well, um, I don't think we're even gonna take a break. I just want to uh, end this episode how we end every episode, with, um, and that is, uh, what are you actually listening to with your ears? Um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Car Colors, our friend Charles Bissell, who uh, just put out a couple singles or, you know, three tracks potentially off an album that may or may not come out in the new year. But um, 
you know, it took me a minute. I'm, I'm a little, uh, you know, I'm huge. We're all huge Rens fans. We talk about it all the time. But, like, you know, I don't know. I was, like, bummed out that they, they didn't quite get it together to, to put out a, another album um, as Kevin and Charles. Yeah, as the Rens. And, and so, but, um, you know, after, like, getting over my stubborn disappointment, I just, the all three songs on that, Car Colors, all three singles are great. And, um, yeah, he's just a great songwriter, just hits the notes, and uh, I was happy to hear it. And um, and then just going back and listening to some of the, the stuff at the end of the year here, like um, Sabrina, the teenage DJ, or is um, it, it's fun. You know, it's like a avalanche as if they were fourteen years old, and um, and it's uh, it's just a good little DJ mix. And then you know, I've gone back last night. I was listening to the No Name album, which Win has been championing all year, and and I really liked when I first heard, but just hadn't listened to it in a while all the way through and that is a very very solid record so i'm excited to do the end of the year list but uh christian win stump ball i will uh i will second your car colors uh um commendation i will say that charles bissell is as bad at naming a band as he is at writing as as he is good at writing a song so um and my um you know sort of uh Recent discovery is the Daisy EP um, that is as long as, you know, I think long enough to be qualified as an album and be on my (laughs) top 20, certainly at the end of the year. But um, I've kind of had that on repeat and it's a little bit, it's pretty kind of perfect punk pop, you know. Is that a... Is that pressure cooker or forced perspective or I'm like or other body? I, other body. Other body. Yeah. Other body. Okay. I, th- I thought last year's album. album was called Outer Body, and okay. then he b- yeah, yeah. released a series, an EP, which is like six or eight songs. I think eight songs um, called Outer Body. Um, nice. Other body. Um, so a companion piece, but I mean, obviously, it's from the same recording session. Definitely. Um, and uh, I think it's really good stuff. I think there's better stuff on there than there was on the album. Agreed. I've been um, kind of all over the place getting ready for album of the year. Uh, so, and like as as always happens with me, it's like I I I end up listening to somebody's new album, and then I end up listening to uh, 200 albums from 2016, which <laughs> is just a way of procrastinating, and then I come back to, like, you know, so it's it's always interesting, like, what kind of, anytime you turn, like, listening to full-length albums into um, a form of, uh, like, the best kind of homework ever, um, it's... Uh, it, it it it's always interesting like what kind of groove you get into and then how that kind of shapes like what you end up picking as your your favorite albums of the year i think um i would say like the one i can point to from from this year that i think has just been awesome is geese um and like i keep going back to it and keep finding like new layers of it and new uh uh new kind of grooves and and um it's so odd it's like it's so unusual and his vocals are are really kind of interesting um yeah yeah i think it's it's just a it's a great one um so i'm pretty psyched about that and and we'll see where it lands on the uh on the best albums of the year all right and you want to add a song to the uh to the everlasting gobstopper of a playlist yeah we can do that jeremy 
Um, yeah, I got mine. Too, uh, I'm going to do two, and that one may be on there. That's why I'm doing two. So I don't know if Sunshine by the last Steve Lacey album is on there, but I totally <laughs> totally that, that song. That was on mine, too. Oh, uh, was it? Okay, my bad. Yeah. Well, I'll give it to you because I have another one, too. Um, no, no, no. no. I, I'm putting three on. So oh, gotcha. And that then, was just um, one of them. Just a song that I don't, I definitely know is not on there, but should be because it's kind of just perfect is Borrowed Time by Parquet Courts. Um, I know we've all heard it a million times, but I can hear that song a million times and always be happy. So, yeah. With that. That's great. Christian? Uh, have we put on anything by The Glands? No. I don't believe so. I think I'll go with Love Town. Nice. Nice. And I am uh, was going to put on three, but now I'm only going to put on two because Jared took the other one. Um, a long overdue song that uh, uh, should have been on, you know, in the first couple of weeks that we did this. Can I guess? Uh, yeah, you won't guess it. Okay. Couldn't I just tell you by Todd Rundgren? Oh, nice. And, uh, <laughs> You're right, I wouldn't. <laughs> and then my second one is a song I heard yesterday. And it's just a song that I've heard a million times and I realized that I've never gotten sick of it. Uh, even when it was on heavy rotation back in the 80s. And that is uh, It's My Life by Talk Talk. Oh, yeah. It's great. Hmm. Which Christian probably knows by I... Stefani. <laughs> I know. But the original is so good. The original is great, yeah. I, uh, I thought for sure we were going to get uh, something. By, it may actually already be on there, but um, Tears of a Clown by The Beat or... <laughs> Um, just because we were listening to it last week. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, um, that, uh, yeah. I was. Uh, I actually throw it on there. I did, why not? Yeah, yeah. I yeah did let's do it. See. Everybody else. Yeah. Actually, I, I'd I'd want to preempt that by putting uh, "Twist and Crawl" instead of "Tears of a Clown." Yeah. But um, oh, well, it's my pick. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I'll, I'll take your say? pick and change it. Um, yeah, Damien, you figure this out. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I know what I was going to say. I there, I just saw that um, Adam Ant and the Beat are playing together in Boston in April. So wow, it's like a I will, nice uh, hot tub time machine. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks you guys. That was fun. Yeah, this is awesome. And, uh, Can't wait for album up. of the year. Yeah, that we'll be recording that probably next week. So let's uh, say goodbye and go watch some telly. All right. Later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.